All right, everyone, welcome to another episode of Jiu-Jitsu Radio. Before we get started, I just want to go ahead and remind you, if you enjoy the podcast, please share it, hit the subscribe button, hit the share button. If you're watching us on YouTube, go ahead and hit the notification bell, subscribe to the channel, that way you get notified every time we have a new episode out. And don't forget, this week we are going to be live streaming and commentating from the World Series of Jiu-Jitsu Tournament in Lantana, Florida. So make sure you subscribe to the YouTube channel so you can watch some Jiu-Jitsu while you hang out at home or wherever you are. It will be available worldwide. So yes, there's a reason to subscribe to the YouTube channel and to subscribe to the iTunes, Spotify, wherever you listen to us. Go ahead and share with your friends. Also, don't forget, you can support the podcast by buying one of the shirts that I designed and all you need to do to get that link is check out the Instagram at Jiu-Jitsu Radio. You'll get the link directly there and you can go ahead and find any of the awesome shirts that we have including the Shut the Fuck Up and Roll shirt or the Belt Rank t-shirt. They are all available for you to purchase there. That money goes directly for us to help pay for the studio and to keep the podcast going. Yeah, we need all the help we can get. Also, This podcast is brought to you by Choke Aloha. Check out ChokeAloha.com and use the promo code Jiu-Jitsu Radio when you check out to get 20% off your entire order at ChokeAloha.com. So that means you can pick up a rash guard, spats, t-shirt, hat, accessories, whatever is on that website, whether it's new, fresh out the press, or It's a little vintage, doesn't matter. You can get it at a discount with the promo code Jiu-Jitsu Radio. They have supported the podcast from day one, and they have some of the coolest gear that you will find. Listen, we both know that sometimes there's a lot of shitty uh, Jiu-Jitsu-themed companies out there. Some might be ripping off my designs. Some might be ripping off all kinds of other stuff. And, you know, it's just not that cool. Chocoloha isn't like that. Chocoloha has some dope-ass gear. Get yours. Chocoloha.com. Promo code Jiu-Jitsu Radio. And also, go to JujitsuSoapCo.com. Get yourself some soap. I mean, listen, I'll be honest with you. There's a lot of people at the gym that don't want to tell you. You stink, bro. You smell. Not the ghee. Not just your breath. You. You smell. Go and get some soap. Clean up. Get back on the mat. JJ Radio is the promo code, and you'll get 10% off anything you purchase at the store. So listen, there's, there's real no, really no reason for you to miss out on some of the best soap on the market. Fuck Irish Spring. Fuck Dial Soap. Screw all that stuff. Don't even bother with Dove. Get some Jiu-Jitsu soap. Use the promo code JJ Radio. You'll get it at a discount. And they're all limited edition soaps. So if you like one of the bars that's on there, you better stock up, son, because it's a one-time thing. So it's always awesome to get some fresh new scents in. Get yours at Jiu-Jitsu Soap Co. And they got some cool stuff, too. They got some awesome patches. Almost every one of my geese has a Jiu-Jitsu Soap Co. patch on there. So you can get yours, too. JujitsuSoapCo.com, promo code JJ Radio. And listen. I got the exclusive hookup here, right? Check out giraffechoke.com. Use the promo code JJ Radio, and you will be the only one to get that discount. 25% off any orders of $99 or more. 
You can't get that promo code anywhere else. Nobody else has it. We got the hookup. You can get some awesome gear like my favorite heel hook or Superman punch hat. You can get a shirt. They got tons of awesome accessories with new stuff coming up down the line as well. So don't miss out. Check out giraffechoke.com. Use the promo code JJRadio. You're welcome. And listen. If you didn't listen to the podcast with Diamond MMA, you missed out, tune in, go check it out. But let's be honest, from from one man to another, one of the worst things that can happen to you is not having a bad day at training. It's getting kicked in the jumblies, all right? Listen, I don't care how good of a training day you had. If you get kicked in the dick, you're going to have a bad night. It's just the way that it is. It's one of those things that we got to deal with, you know? But... You can sit there and not deal with it anymore by checking DiamondMMA.com. Use the promo code Jiu-Jitsu Radio and you'll get 10% off the leading cup in the market. Listen, it's the unofficial, it's the official unofficial cup of every UFC fighter, at least any of them that know what's going on. I used to use a Thai steel cup. Uh, a lot of people can't handle getting that thong rope up the butt which I totally get, but once you start using the Diamond MMA Cup, you are not going to be worried about getting pinched into huevos anymore. If you're a guy, you know what's going on. Ladies, listen, if you're tuning in, this is probably a good time to start stocking up for your uh, favorite uh, martial artist friend of yours of the male persuasion. They're going to need to get some coverage. You can hook them up and be like, hey, bud, it's tough being a guy. Not as tough as being a woman, but it's tough being a guy. Go ahead and get yourself a Diamond MMA cup. Promo code is Jiu-Jitsu Radio. Check out DiamondMMA.com. And listen, as always, don't forget to follow me at Sonder Marketing if you want to check out all the behind the scenes of the craziness. That is my life when it comes to all the photo, uh, photo shoots and video shoots that I do for all the famous fighters. Some of your favorite fighters out there and some of your favorite Jiu-Jitsu people as well. Don't forget to follow Sean at Gorilla Boy BJJ and feel free to always uh, uh, reply or comment on his photos with a giant eggplant emoji. He'll have no clue why because I know he doesn't listen to the to the sponsorship part of the podcast. So it'll be uh, hilarious if you comment on all his photos with a giant eggplant emoji. With that being said, this episode of the podcast is one that I've wanted to do for quite some time and it took a little bit of time to get it out there. Um, My friend contacted us all the way from Australia so I had to kind of edit it a little bit to to get rid of the gaps in the space. Obviously uh, you know it takes a while to send some uh, signals all the way to Australia and back but we had a blast on this podcast learned so much had some great laughs and ladies and gentlemen here is my favorite bogan straight from australia jt here's the deal i'm the best there is plain and simple i mean i wake up in the morning i piss excellence and nobody can hang with myself. Keep stealing, woo, wheeling, dealing, limousine right, jet flying, son of a gun, and I'm having a hard time holding these alligators down. Woo! All right.
right, everybody, welcome back to another episode of Jiu-Jitsu Radio. So today, we finally have the guest that I've been hyping up about ever since I came back from ADCC. <laughs> he is, hey, listen, I, you can listen to the other episodes. Every time that we bring up ADCC, I'm like, man, wait till you guys listen to, to this dude. It was a blast um, talking to you at ADCC. But this man is a black belt under Lachlan Giles. He's also a Taekwondo black belt, so we're definitely going to bust his balls about that at some point during the podcast. <laughs> definitely. He, he is a strength and conditioning coach, and not only that, but he is also one of the co-founders of Bulletproof for BJJ uh, and also the creator of the card game for jujitsu lovers like you and me, Jugo. I think yes. that's enough of a hype up. Ladies and gentlemen, JT James Tomlinson from Absolute MMA. JT, what's happening, brother? Thank you for having me, man. Thank you for such a, a nice rap. I appreciate that. I don't have to pretend to be my own hype man and do a fake voice and uh, don't refer to myself in the third person. We'll leave that for when Gordon Jiu-Jitsu comes on, right? Um, no, man, yeah, I'm, exactly. I'm, I'm stoked to be here. It was such a pleasure to meet you. At the ADCC, uh, you know, it's a big, big arena and um, everybody, there's an interesting vibe there. So it was so good to be a part of the event and just, you know, chat very openly with yourself. And yeah, man, I, it was such, it's one of the best experiences of my life and it's such a pleasure to meet and talk with you. And and now connect through your awesome podcast because uh, obviously I did a little bit of back, back research on you guys, stalk you up a little bit. Yeah, we've uh, we've definitely been around. Sean and I have have our own stories for sure. So just to give everybody kind of a, an idea of what happened. So I got into um, California on Thursday, hung out, and then Friday at ADCC was kind of just the uh, the introductions, if you will, for all the the different competitors. And I was standing there. Next to two, three random people, and the crowd started getting bigger and bigger. And then we all kind of just started kind of just not trash talking, but just talking and just kind of spitting stories back and forth. And that's how I met JT. And we were going back and forth. And then the funniest part out of the whole thing was when they announced Gabby Garcia, we kind of looked at each other going like, that's fucking Gabby Garcia. Like, so JT, remember how big uh, Gabby was? Oh, yeah, man. I mean, look. I know, I know Gabby. I've actually trained with her. I've trained at Alliance in Sao Paulo, so I know Gabby really well. Yeah. So Sean is half her size. I am not half her size. Don't tell stories out of school. (laughs) No, no, she's she's two inches taller than me, and we're the same weight, but she's got more muscle. Man, I look, I tell you, like Gabby is actually a lovely human. If you know her and you're close to her, she's awesome. She's she's a big teddy bear. She's got a big heart. She's lovely. But I guess what you got to know where she's coming from, man, no one rolls her life. Like she's from a championship gym. And in that gym, they put smash on her. You know what I mean? Like no one is giving Gabby a light roll because obviously she's so big. So that's the deal, man. Like it's a really tough thing for her to get any kind of even empathy from her own team. So you got to know that she's done a lot of hard yards 
to be where she is. And I mean, she's and the different gyms that she's trained at. I mean, she went to like King's MMA and I mean, yeah. she's sitting there putting that work at King's MMA. And now she's opening up her own gym. I don't know where her new gym is at. Do you know where it's at? No, look, man, like I know when she's in LA and she trains jujitsu, she usually trains with Cabrillo. So yeah. like, uh, yeah, like basically a close friend of hers, um, and also like an Alliance Black Belt, Mayara, she, she trains there too. And uh, you'll see her hanging out with Cabrini a fair bit. Um, I actually don't know where her new gym is at all. Um, but I know usually when she's training jiu-jitsu, she'll be training Cabrini. So let's let's get more focused into, into what you do. So you were helping uh, corner... Lachlan Giles and a little bit of Craig, I believe. I guess um, Donaher was more for Craig, but you no, no. So like, I, I, I guess like my role. I guess I was like a plus one. I came in. Um, you know, th- these guys are all my teammates. Uh, Lachlan, uh, Ben Hodgkinson, who fought heavyweight. Um, the guy who I ended up, I was meant to kind of corner Ben, but Lachlan cornered Ben because it's more about timing, right? Um. Uh, ben Hodgkinson is a heavyweight. I train him as part of Bulletproof, the BJJ. The guy who is representing Australia at 88 kilos is a friend of mine, Keller. Keller Loxodi. He's a savage. He owns a Sydney. He owns a gym in Sydney called Jiu- uh, Grappling Education. And actually, it's a funny story. He, um, he's, he, the guy who co-owns the gym with him, George. George got recruited by the ADCC Mafia to be a ref, to be like part of the ADCC um click so he at the last minute he was like oh uh yeah by the way keller um i'm gonna ref tomorrow so i can't coach you keller was like what so then (laughs) you know keller and i used to kill each other as purple belts like we used to rip each other's heads off you know and keller is a judo black belt and and strong human he just said bro can you coach me i was like of course of course i'll be in your corner i got the loudest voice next to fabio gergel on that mat so, um, yeah, man, I was just, I got to corner him and I was out the back. I was the extra body. So I was doing the wrestling takedown warmups and, you know, getting people water and I was doing flow rolls with Lachlan and look, Craig was very much in the corner with Danaher's crew. So Craig is from our gym. He's a black belt under Lachlan, but it, it's one of those things that like, I, he's almost full time at the blue basement now. So even though he's, from Absolute and at the tournament represented Absolute. Um, I think he, he's making that move to be full-time at Dan Hers ultimately. And plus his eye was messed up. So he was just sitting in the corner with <laughs> aviator sunglasses on, man. He was not rolling with anybody. No one was rolling with him, you know. That was a messed up situation. That whole eye thing that was going around the ADCC. It was. Look, it, And look, man, to be honest, like, there was a little bit of controversy around that because um, I believe Cyborg was actually trying to get Craig kicked out of the tournament. That's what he said, yeah. Like, just get him. Like, so, speaking directly with Craig after his first fight, Cyborg went up to him to shake his hand and then straight away went to – who's the event organizer from Fight to Win? Um, I apologize. Um, Mo- oh, Seth? Seth. He went straight up to Seth Daniels and went, you need to kick him out. Kick him out. Don't let him in. So, I, look, it was a little bit – I felt that was a little bit not great. I don't know, like, 
Craig competed exceptionally well. It's not like he couldn't do it. Um, but I don't know where people, what people feel about that, you know, because did he? Yeah, did, I mean, so Craig is the one that brought the funk. No, no, no. Like it was, it was, it went through the whole team. So, I mean, I can't, I don't know originally who, who had it. Um, it seemed like Gordon avoided it, I think. Um, but definitely, you know, obviously. Yeah. Well, that was, that was the whole story. It took out like everyone who was rolling t- tough with those guys at um, 540. Um, it's, I think it started with like, I think, I don't, I'm not saying it started, but I know it took Keenan out and it was very high risk for him. Could have damaged his eyesight. I think Hinger had it at one stage. And basically anybody who was rolling with that crew kind of got it. And the guys were just kind of playing it down and ignoring it. But it was quite serious. It seems like somebody's not washing their hands after taking a boo-boo. Man, that could – well. No, well, what happened was it was it, it was um, I it was Keenan and, and Josh – and were the first ones to to get it. Like I guess they rolled with someone that gave it to them. And Josh almost had to drop out too. I know Keenan dropped out because of it. And then somehow, yeah, it started going to everybody else. So it was, it's crazy well, because no, there was a group session. Like Craig rolled with Keenan at well, I think five forty, or they did a group session before they did their podcast. They right. were kind of doing some training together. And then I know that Craig rolled my man Ben Hodgkinson just before ADCC, and then after the comp, Ben had it, and then it took him out, you know? Like, he couldn't see oh. at all. So, yeah, look, it was pretty of, crazy. Oh, man. It's tough. Look, I think it's one of those things where, what, what can I say? When people are dieting really hard, you see it in MMA as well, when guys are cutting and they're still training really hard, their immune system's down, and guys get staffed, right? And then it's a contentious issue I mean, obviously, like if anyone has any kind of background in grappling, if someone's got any kind of skin infection, you get them off the map, right? But I think when there's money around it and, you know, there's all this hype for the matches and stuff, event organizers, they might just kind of let it go because they want the event to happen. They're not really thinking about the health consequences, you know? If the fighter shows up and says they can do their thing, you know, they let them go. Yeah, there was... From from what I remember, there was something like twenty people that dropped out of ADCC, so the, for one reason yeah. or another. So it was pretty crazy, and I know hearing just from third hand, like everyone was just like, "What the fuck is going on?" Everyone from the ADCC team was like, "Man, there's like twenty people." So I know on one side, the guys had to stay on there just because it was it's ADCC. You know, it only happens every two years, so yeah, you're, you're kind of calm happening. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and then on the other half, yeah, it's they like, had a lot of last minute replacement. Yeah, it's and I mean, listen, if for if anything, it made it for an even more exciting just kind of matchup. I mean, I was looking for a lot of them. I mean, I'm good friends with Gilbert Burns, and Gilbert dropped out. I gave him shit for bolting out of it because he was one of the main reasons why I wanted to go to begin with. But it's you know, like, what can yeah, you he's do? Such it, an exciting fighter. Yeah, yeah, and it's crazy, and it, it was just, but at, overall, the. The, the way that everything played out for ADCC was just so amazing. Like that's one of those things where it almost kind of played out the way that it was supposed to play out. And it's definitely going to be one for the record books for a while. But you definitely. guys, I think the production. Co- go ahead. Sorry. Go ahead. You can go ahead. Don't worry. Like, shoot, shoot, shoot. 
No, I was going to say just I, I hadn't been to ADCC before, but I've been following it, you know, a lot of years. And I've had some friends compete um, and, you know, go there. And just talking about like uh, a friend of mine who's not in jiu-jitsu, but he went as an SNC coach for one of the fighters from Australia, Big Mick, uh, at ADCC China. And he just said, you know, the venue was empty. And it was just no atmosphere and a bit cold. And even though there were many great matches at that tournament, the production value and the drums and the, you know, the smoke machine and the stage and like everything that Mo did to push this ADCC up a level, I feel like that came through, you know? For what sure, you absolutely. It was... Different matches and matchups. Yeah. Yeah. No. It was. It was a blast. I mean, they they definitely did a a huge production level, and it's. I think we got more bang for our buck actually being there than people that just were watching it on Flow Grappling because I know a lot of people were complaining about the ref standing in front of the camera or the camera guy just pointing to yeah. random weird things and stuff. So for sure, when I first bought the ticket in the hotel, I was like, man, I definitely took a hit, but it was worth every penny from from a fan's point of view. But you guys, Lachlan, Lachlan definitely came in as kind of like the the underdog, like superhero. Yeah, at the end of everything. Did you guys see, like, was is there a noticeable difference in attention that the team gets now uh, just because of what he did? Um, no, it's definitely a, a noticeable difference in the attention towards him because he's a humble guy. But I tell you what, man. I mean, um, in a joking way, but Australians, you know, we love banter, so we talk a lot of crap. And so I was actually sitting around a bunch of Atos guys, and they're all cool. They're really nice guys. Um, but, like, look, we at the team, we already knew that Lachlan was going to play that kind of 50-50 inside heel hook game. That's what we've been working on solidly for the last 12 months. So we felt that he would do that in the lightweight category. We thought he might be the dark horse to come through and do something like that to to Lucas Lepre or to any of those top lightweight guys. But it didn't happen, you know, like Lucas is so tight and they know each other, you know. Lucas knows Lachlan, Lachlan knows Lucas. So Luke, Lucas kind of shut that game down. And so at the end of the first day, Aussies, you know, Livia Giles, who's Lachlan's wife, she was um silver medalist in uh, Black Belt Nogi Worlds about two years ago. She she prepped really well and performed really well at her selection in Poland. She's got Polish background. But yeah, she just she had a mistimed guard pull and got her back took and it was just a pretty savage situation. Obviously Ben Hodgkinson, he fought um Gordon Ryan first round. And I think he was a little bit over adrenalized, you know, like it was like it's that killer fight. It's the fight you want, you know, fight the top guy. And, you know, Gordon did what he did. You know, he swept, he took the back, and he choked, and that's tough. So that's Ben's first ADCC. But this is Lachlan's third ADCC. And just only um, some weeks ago, uh, it's now like two, three months ago now, he uh, – had you guys seen his run at Connectic? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was – the, it was like a, um, a team's event that was actually put on by uh, BJJ yeah. Fanatics. Yeah, he ran through the through the and, entire uh, squad the first round. Yeah, yeah. And the four of the five finishes were inside heel hook from 50-50. You know, like he did get a, like an armbar for one of them. Um, but that's the thing, like 
it was kind of interesting. So at the end of day one, unfortunately, Keller lost by a, like a penalty against Marilla Santana. And he looked like he's putting a lot of pressure on Marilla. Like Marilla, I haven't seen Marilla suffer like that before. So I was kind of for Keller, but disappointed he lost. So then the next day, this is, okay, I'll give you a little behind the scenes action. Lachlan went to Mo and said, oh man, I'm thinking about going in the absolute. What do you think? Now, what you guys don't know is as Australians, we got to hustle to get overseas to compete with everybody. And there was an event, a test event in Kazakhstan for Oceania as a selection event to go to ADCC. Absolute MMA sent, I think, 10 or 12 guys for selection. And at the last minute, the ADCC pulled the tickets from the event and said, no, this is not a selection wow. event. Oh, no. And that's terrible. Like all the guys booked tickets. They took time off. Yeah, not ideal. So then, but um, fortunately enough, they gave one ticket uh, for the absolute and Ben Hodgkinson won the absolute. So that's where he got his ticket. So then the team went back to Japan for another selection tournament and Lockie got selected. Now, here's the thing. Mo said to him, dude, if you enter the absolute, I will give you a free invite back to this tournament. So just based off of the amount of stuffing around that had to occur, um, Lockie's like, all right, I'm doing the absolute. And uh, Olivia was like, oh, you're crazy. And Simon, the gym owner, is like, man, you're crazy. And then a few people are like, dude, are you serious? And I was like, yes, Lachlan, do it. It's going to be like Kinectic. It's going to be you ripping off big guys' legs because I don't know how to defend. Yes. I was like, you know, just so, I don't know. I get very enthusiastic, man. So, I was geeing him up backstage and he's like, ah, what can I lose? You know, I'll just try it. So anyway, um, I helped Lockie warm up and then my girlfriend was up in the stands. So I went back up to the stands. I was up there with the rest of the team and he drew Kanan, you know, Kanan, uh, sorry. Am I saying Kanan? Kanan. Uh, Kanan. Kanan Duarte. Yeah. Kanan. Yeah. And so he, I was sitting around these Atos guys. I was talking a lot of smack. I was like, I'm telling you, Lachlan Giles, Inside he'll look from 50-50 mofos. And they were like, bro, it's over. Like, it's Kanan. It's over. And then Kanan, I think, just wasn't respecting it. Like, he was kind of moving and he kind of sat down with it. Like, he was moving. He kind of escaped a bit. And then, like, he was like, okay, bro, you want to give me my heel? And Kanan was, like, looking at Galvan. I'm like, I'm not doing whatever. And then, bah, there you go. And the whole stadium stood up, man. It was oh, we electric. Like, we weren't. Well, I, I, I got to tell you, I was it's watching. One of those things. I was watching from home and I did the same thing. Like, I was like, what? Mm. What? <laughs> yeah, oh, I, I listen. Yeah, I did it from the, from the stand. I was screaming like crazy. That's like, and like, even from like upstairs, I was like on the third floor on the second day, just like screaming, like, oh my God, where the fuck is this coming from? Bro, it was definitely, if that was all that happens, that would have been enough. You know, that was the big, big upset. Because I think Kanan was like a favorite to try and work his way up to maybe fight Gordon or whatever, you know. And so I was like, so ungracious. Ha! Ha! Inside the room for 50-50, how you like me now? Ha! Just going mental in a very uncouth Australian way which, you know, is kind of the inner bogan in me. In Australia, we have this thing called being bogan, which is kind of like hillbilly. You know, it's like um, 
like it's kind of like Australian redneck. It doesn't imply racism. It just implies ignorance <laughs> and uh, uncouthness. Um, so then uh, Patrick Gaudio had a war with Mike Perez, like a war, bro. It was 10 minute and then they did the overtime and Patrick split his head trying to do a takedown coming off the mat. And he is a beast. Patrick Goldio is a beast. And he, I think he won right at the death, like the last minute or 30 seconds. He got a, he got a takedown. And um, yeah, man, that was amazing. And I mean, it's, it's funny because you know, when you fight to the death and then the ref and you win and then the ref's like, you had 10 minutes and you're just like, why? I just fought to the death. Yeah. And Lockie walked off the map, like pretty fresh, you know, like, and I was thinking to myself, I think he can do it again. Like I wasn't sure, but I was like, I right. think he can do it again. And, you know, Patrick came in, they gave him his rest. He came in, but he was clearly tired and he stepped straight in, dude. Like he just wasn't even aware. I feel and Lachlan did the same thing, man. He just came over. He switched the leg, caught the heel, rolled through. But there go your freaking ligaments. I lost my mind. I was like, two times. Like, man, I lost my – in that moment, I, like, lost part of my, like, spleen through my mouth. I'm like, ah! I was just running down the hall. I was like, no, nah, I got to get down there. And when I got down there, Lockie was actually, like, pretty – like, he was stoked. But he was like, is this happening? Like, I can't – is this a dream? What is happening right now? Like, he couldn't even <laughs> really – it was kind of like a surreal moment because then he's fighting, you know, Gordon Ryan. So it's like, oh, my God. This is colossal, you know? So anyway, Seth kept kicking everyone out. Even though I had a coach's badge, if you didn't have a competitor badge, he would like – he was just kicking everyone out, you know? And that's fine, whatever. So I went back up to the stands. And if you've reviewed any of the breakdown, there was a moment when Lockie was like, was reaching for the heel and he slipped and he was almost on Gordon's heel. And in that moment, Gordon went, uh, 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 uh. oh, no, you didn't. And he just, he backed, he backed out. He wait, wait, wait. Out. He was like, no. Wait, did, what happened to Muhammad Ali? No, no, no. Yeah, He's next, too. bro. Let's wait. Wait. Be patient, Sean. The story is building. <laughs> let me let me get my timing on this. I, I seem to remember I've been it differently. This. I've been remembering it differently. My bad. No, no, no. So, okay. No, no, it's all good. So, I mean, look, the end game is um, there was a leg entanglement and Lachlan went to his position, but he slipped. At this point, Gordon was like, okay, forget this. Pulled his legs out, pressured down, passed the guard, took Lachlan's back and choked Lachlan's face. You know, this is what Gordon Ryan does. He's amazing at taking the back. And if you don't give him your neck, he will crush your face off, right? And that's how it went. And there's no shame in that. We're all like, okay, fair play. So what that meant was um, Bushesha beat Muhammad Ali uh, in, in the semi. Uh, Gordon Ryan beat Lachlan Giles. So now it's Bushesha and Ryan in the final for gold and silver. And then it was Muhammad Ali versus... Lockie for bronze. Now, Muhammad Ali is the biggest mofo in jiu-jitsu. Not as a person. He's a lovely person. I love his guts. Such a gentleman. Great sense of humor. He's six foot five and like 130 kilos of jacked 
muscle, right? He came in looking bigger than anyone. Like I was blown away by how big yeah. he was. And Lachlan isn't a particularly big guy. I mean, he, power to weight ratio, he's strong. Like he's a strong guy for his size, but he's like a 75 kilo guy. You know what I mean? Like he's not, and he will openly say, you know, he doesn't really train weights, even though he is insanely strong for his size. You know, he, he mainly focuses on wrestling, leg locks, and jiu-jitsu. Muhammad Ali was definitely doing some lifting. I would go so far to say that Muhammad Ali was looking looking juicy, bro. He's looking juicier than mango. <laughs> like, he had lots of acai. Bro, he had the acai power. Here's 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 how you know there's something big going. There's you could see his abs through his um uh, his rash guard. I was like, that dude's way too big to have abs that cut, and you could see him through his rash guard. Yeah, man, to be that big and that lean. Now we all know how hard jujitsu training is, right? It's actually if you train full time, it's hard to keep muscle. So. Look, I don't know anything about his program. He's a lovely guy. I respect him. I admire him. I'm not going to say anything bad about Muhammad Ali. He's he's a beast. But oh my God, when Lachlan walked out there and Muhammad Ali stood, Lachlan sat. You know, they shake hands. Lachlan sits the butterfly guard, right? He was shorter than Muhammad Ali's kneecaps, bro. Yeah. Like, if you go <laughs> back so and look smart. at it, it's... It's retarded, right? Lachlan sits to Butterfly Guard and Muhammad's standing over him and it was absolutely like the giant slayer moment, right? You're like, oh my God, this is going down. Can he pull this off? Because obviously Muhammad could just like put, put crush and stall and control. But that said, Muhammad just walked in. He put his feet in and Lockie's like, okay. And Loki tried to go to his kind of K-guard, Delahiva position. And, you know, um, Muhammad pulled his leg out and was being relatively cautious. But then he just did it again. Stepped in and Loki was like, okay, bro. He did his like underhook scoop on the Delahiva, turned the leg. It's right there, got on the heel hook. But here's the terrible thing. Muhammad spun the wrong way because it's an inside heel hook, yeah. not an outside heel hook. So he actually put it on himself. And man, when he spun and Lockie's on that heel and he bridged into it and then Muhammad spun and then Muhammad's like <laughs> tapping, the whole fucking stadium exploded. Like it was an eruption. I think I had an eruption. Like I was just like, Wah! I was running through the stadium. Lock on fucking Giles. Lock on Giles, everybody. <laughs> like I was just like, I was high-fiving people. Even if people weren't high-fiving me, I was just slapping them in the back, just running through the stadium. I saw Eddie Bravo. Eddie Bravo was like, what? I think he was like, Eddie was pretty high. He was like, what just happened? I was like, lock on Giles, motherfucker. And I just hit him in the shoulder. I was just running like, man, I, it was the best moment of my jiu-jitsu life. I'll be honest. As like knowing him as my friend, knowing him for like 10 years, he's also my coach and my training partner. I love, I love him to death. It was so amazing that he could have such a great moment which doesn't often come around in a jiu-jitsu person's life and bro i feel like for me that just made the tournament no i was it was definitely one of the the craziest things and that was the funny part because i was watching you in the stands just because i wanted to see how 
how Lachlan was going to do, and then to watch the whole thing from meeting you guys Friday to what happened on Sunday. It was just funny to it's it's cool to watch. It's almost like seeing like a little mini story of seeing like the just the the movement and the the growth of just the storyline from one week, and it was pretty exciting to see. You know, you, you know what's funny? Yeah, man. It's, it's like once in a while, there's a there's a there's an event, a grappling event, where like the the story of the event has nothing to do with who won it. Like with uh, with like yeah. we're friends with uh, the Musamechis, do you, uh, Tammy and Mikey. Yeah, 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 and Mikey, yeah, sure. Yeah, and uh, Tammy was it? I think in 2015. She was going against um, – I can't remember who she was going against. But she broke – Michelle Nicolini? Yes, and she broke her Michelle arm. Michelle Nicolini. She didn't tap. Right, and she kept yeah. going. And that, that so savage. Th- and that was the story of the, that tournament. Nobody was talking about, you know, Bouchesha's 14th yeah. win in a row or whatever. Everybody was talking yeah, about yeah. How, how this girl got her arm broke but did not leave the – you know, didn't tap, got her arm broke and kept trying to finish the match. This is something that's similar. It's it's like it's the drama, it's the story, and it makes it such a cool thing. Mm. Yeah, it's it's amazing the level of memes that have come out since it happened. Because like Lachlan is like a he's a fairly, uh, I guess you know he takes the Mickey out of himself. You know, he's he he doesn't take himself that seriously. He's a very humble guy. So when people start making memes about like, you know, the classic Elmo meme, how there's like a bowl of fruit and a pile of sugar, but it looks like cocaine <laughs> and, yeah. and it's got like Elmo looking at the fruit and looking at the pile and it had like Gordon Ryan winning absolute and weight division and then Lachlan Giles bronze medal in the ADCC on the pile of sugar. Next minute it's got Elmo just, just taking up all the sugar, you know? And it's, it's one of those things, man, where it's, Humans love that kind of like I guess like a fairy tale, like something that seems impossible or unlikely and it coming true. It just gives you that bit of hope, like that's possible. And it also proves that jujitsu paradigm, which is the small guy can beat the big guy with the right technique. And Lachlan freaking did it, you know. So So Yeah, man, look to Oh, go ahead. Sorry. No, no, no. As you will. Uh, so your your main thing, obviously, is doing uh, is being the strength and conditioning coach for a lot of these athletes. And you also did, or I don't know if you still do. I know you did some some MMA, but from your experience on dealing with something so much like the the leg locks and things like that, do you think that there is something that people are missing out on as far as their training regimen from not only just drilling and everything, but as far as the strength and conditioning, that is really kind of a weak point with everybody's game. Yeah. Look, ultimately there's two things here. So one is like definitely a physiological training aspect of the body, which is in jujitsu. So much of what we do requires flexion. So think about, pulling your hand to your shoulder, like like whether it's a guillotine or you're cupping, you're underhooking, a lot of bicep forearm, right? Uh, in wrestling too, right? Any kind of grappling, judo as well, like there's a lot of pulling. So using your lats, your biceps, your forearms, there's a lot of that 
there is not a lot of extension. I mean, I would say yes in wrestling with like a sprawl and when you shoot and you stand, there's extension. But even if you look at guard players, they usually have very strong um, hamstrings because they're pulling their heels to their butt. Um, they've got strong hip flexors, strong abs. But if you try and get them to perform extension, like hip extension, use their glutes, stand up straight, I don't know, straighten their leg. It doesn't happen, you know. <laughs> it's kind of funny because it's super – jiu-jitsu athletes are funny. They're exceptionally good at what they do, but they're not necessarily uh, the most well-rounded athletes. Even though they're flexible, they're strong, they're fit, but it's very specific. What I see as the biggest hole in jiu-jitsu is – don't get me wrong. I love everyday pohada. I think it's amazing. I, I, I've trained the full-time life. I've trained three times a day for an extended period of time. I know what that is. But when you get to an elite level, training smarter, I'm not saying you don't train hard. Of course you train hard. That's, there's no exception. But injuries and injury prevention are the biggest issue. Uh, even look at MMA. Like look at – because, you know, like obviously UFC's brought in really good testing now. Guys can't use steroids the way they used to. They're not recovering. They're getting injured more. Guys are pulling from fights, right? So I'm not saying, hey, everyone should juice and that's fine. Let's take it back to pride, even though I did love pride. I'm, f- I'm fine um, with everybody juicing. Let them all juice. I'm okay with it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just go hard. Let's bring back Vandalay circa 2001 soccer kick, head stomp. You know, let's get it. Um, hey, listen, no, look, I just I hung think... out with Vitor today, so I'm all for it. <laughs> <laughs> true, true. Well, look, man, look, I, I would say this. I think steroid use is wide-ranging in jiu-jitsu, but this is partly because guys are training way harder and not smart enough. So in Australia, we have very good sports science, and we have really good training around that. I know in America, you know, the, the sports science for football, baseball, Basketball is um, is the best. It's world world class, right? But why is that not yeah. happening in jiu-jitsu? Because there's no money in jiu-jitsu. So these guys aren't getting paid millions, so they're not getting looked after. It's like you just take care of yourself and make it up. So what I try and do with anyone I work with, whether they're just like a weekend warrior three times a week or a professional, is number one is injury prevention. Let's have a look at an injury that you might be pushing yourself into. And then number two on top of that is like I do a mixture of mobility work as well as strength work. So if someone hasn't got healthy range in a joint, then we're going to look at that first before we load it up. As much as I love the jiu-jitsu mentality of like strap it, let's go. It doesn't matter. Just tape it and let's roll. You know, like that mentality is a hardcore mentality. It, it seems good. But it's going to lead people to have very short careers. Not everyone is a meow brother, you know. These guys, they are like they're like a they're like a David Goggins. They want to suffer. They're happy to tear their own ligaments. They're happy to blow their knee out because they feel like that's what makes them good. But the thing is, most of us are not those guys, and most of us want to still be able to walk, squat, to sit on the toilet, stand up and live our lives and do our jobs. So if you do plan to have some use of your body after the age of 40, you have to approach it differently. 
So I feel like what we do with Bulletproof for BJJ and what I do with the athletes that I work with at Absolute, it doesn't mean people don't get injured, but we're always bringing attention to balancing out their physique, like trying to open up the hip flexes, trying to get the glutes working, trying to get the shoulders back, trying to correct the posture so people don't look like hunchback golems of jiu-jitsu, you know? The so second thing on that Can I go in deeper? Build. Yeah, yeah. Oh, go ahead, go ahead. Sorry. No, I was going to say the second point on that, short story, long, long story short, is the philosophical approach. People think they have to train three times a day to be the best. I would make the argument this is incorrect. If you look at any elite sports person, like the best of the best, they all train insanely hard, but they also recover really well. They also do their stretches, do their mobility work, do their strength work. The thing about jujitsu is this old school mentality, just like boxing was, you know, 20, 30 years ago. Oh, well, you just do boxing, do road work, you know, just run and box and that's it. No. Even a guy like Andre Ward, you know, he did Pilates from like a really young age to work on his coordination and his, his core. So I feel like knowing what we know about recovery, knowing what we know about sports science, we, if we do these things smarter, then we can go harder for longer and it's, it's going to be a whole lot better. But it's trying to tell people and educate them on doing that bit less but doing it like better quality. You, you know, you know what's, what's funny, JT, is, is I'm 46. So I've, yep. really, I've really had to change the way I train. I came from a professional wrestling background and a, a collegiate, yes. you know, American football. And uh, so, you know, I, I grew up on squats and deadlifts and power cleans. And by the time I was 30, I couldn't raise my shoulders. You know, I couldn't raise my hand over my shoulders and turn out a light. Over the last five, six years, I've, I've had to start swimming and yoga. That's Those are the kind of things I can do. But, but like going hard in the gym like I used to go, it, that's, that's not happening anymore. <laughs> that's just, it's just an, uh, an unrealistic expectation. Yeah. And look, I think like for yourself, Sean, don't get me wrong. Like there's a lot of guys out there like yourself, you know, still want to train, still want to do the thing they love and, you know, be a man, be a savage, like still hold down your self-respect. And, and express yourself through your body, right? And I totally understand where you're coming from because I would say the majority of people that we deal with, men or women, are older. They're in their 30s to 50s. And, and, and that's the thing. Like you found this thing you love. You want to keep doing it. You do have to change your approach. All I say is this. Like I wouldn't rule out the squats and the deadlifts, but there's different ways to do it. You know, it doesn't have to be a barbell. It could be like a plate squat where you hold a plate in front of you, or it could be a lunge or something that adds like a degree of instability or a unilateral movement. So it challenges you, but you don't need to load up as heavy, if that makes sense. Right, right, right. I, I feel there's, there's definite ways that you can still do resistance training as well as um, stay strong, as well as mobile. The, you- the usual paradigm, and don't get me wrong, I love squats and deadlifts. They're my favorite. But you definitely have to do some of the maintenance work, which is the hip mobility 
shoulder mobility um, to keep, you know, keep the engine running. Okay, I want to call bullshit. Nobody likes squats and deadlifts, first of all. Nobody likes oh, that shit. Oh, man, what you going to say to me? Bro, I've been squatting since I was 10 years old, bro. I love squatting. Man, I squat when I'm at the cafe, bro. What are you talking about? I'm never not squatting. Man, I sat in horse stance for most of my teenage years, bro. Like, oh, yeah, I'm that yeah. taekwondo kid. You want to call bullshit on me, son? Come on, right. man. Come hey, on, look, man. I, I love listen, it. Listen, it explains... It explains Sean's lower back and and la, lack of butt. What do you mean lack of butt? I have an exquisite <laughs> hiney. I have an exquisite butt. I've been I've been best asset, and that's not a pun. So I cannot JT. I cannot confirm or deny the state of Sean's glutes. I'll send you pictures. Okay, thank you. All right, we'll, we'll talk after. That's a hard pass. That's a hard pass. <laughs> so JT, kind of give people more uh, of an idea exactly what is. Uh, bulletproof for BJJ. Okay, so bulletproof for BJJ. Both Joe and I. So Joe Worthington, JB Joey from Sydney. He and I. He's actually my doppelganger. He he and I are about the same age. Actually, he's a fraction younger, fraction taller, slightly better looking. He, but I'm stronger. So you know, like I'm like the older twin. I came out first, so I'm that <laughs> little bit grittier, slightly older. Kind of, you know, the younger brother that got taller than you. That's who he is to me, you know. But I'm a black belt. He's a brown belt. So forget him. No, jokes. Um, look, what we did was we brought our heads together because we're both working with jiu-jitsu athletes. And for a long time, I traveled and trained. And I would see common patterns in elite grapplers down to just newly brand minted white belts. And no one was doing the maintenance. Jiu-jitsu is rally driving for your body. If you're going to take your body out and thrash it on the weekend, you better put it in the shop during the week, right? Now, if you're going to thrash it every day, you better be a mechanic yourself so you can tune that sun up. You know what I mean? You need to be able to put a tire back on. You need to be able to fix the, the engine, replace the head gasket. You need these skills. So what we've tried to do is give people like a very basic, like say you've never done any weights or any training in your life. We've got level one through to level 10 so that you can start at a very basic level and build up your strength over time. There's also a pre-class and a post-class routine that we get people to do. So the pre-class stuff is more like, you know, you show up to class 10 minutes, 20 minutes before you might be talking crap with your, with your bros about the fight or jujitsu or whatever, or memes in that time, you could actually be preparing your body a bit better. We're not talking the classic grab your foot and stretch your quad or just, you know, bend your hip a bit. Like every human body is different. So, Sean, your prep routine would look different to mine. Same with you, Alexis. Your prep would be different to mine. But we each need to be working on our individual projects because our, our instructor knows jiu-jitsu. They don't necessarily know physical conditioning. So their warm-up is going to be whatever it's going to be. You can't control that. But you can control what you do with your body. And if you prepare better, you perform better. Then, you know, it's a classic thing. You, you roll your heart out. You roll to the death. You're knackered. You're lying on the ground. You're panting. You're staring up at the ceiling. You have the great post-jiu-jitsu high. You ask somebody for a cigarette because it's like, oh, my gosh. Just had a jiu-jitsu gasm. No. Um, basically, everyone just <laughs> – it's classic. Like, jiu-jitsu, we don't stretch. 
every other martial art will do a warm down, a cool down, flexibility training. At Taekwondo, I used to do like two hours of stretching a day. So it's so strange to me that jiu-jitsu people don't even do the slightest bit of work to help their bodies recover. That way, when you wake up the next day, you're like, oh my God, I feel like I'm 110. You need to just do five or 10 minutes of something specific to just smooth off the rough edges. So when you wake up in the morning, you can get out of bed and feel good, you know? Yeah, you. we used to do, when Sean used to run the warm-up, for, for a few months, we were doing the, what was it, the DDP yoga? Yep. And then for for me, the like a few years ago, I started getting a really like bad lower back problems just because rolling with some dumbass. And then I ended up getting into a car accident. So like my lower back was always like just bothering me, bothering, bothering me. And then the funny part is like when you bring that up, it's like I had to start thinking outside of the box. Okay, what am I not doing that could be helping me out? And funny enough, like talking about Taekwondo and stuff, I found the Bill Superfoot Wallace um, stretching VHS. And somebody ended up putting it up on uh, – yeah. Yeah, it's a classic, man. Bill Superfoot Wallace, bro. He he actually lives like 10, 15 minutes away from us. He lives out in uh, in Wellington, Florida. It's only that dude, he's a legend, man. Oh, he's a he's a badass. He he's was an original badass. Like even if you listen to some Shout out to Bill Superfoot. Shout listen, out. If I can get him on the podcast, I'd love it. I've been trying for the last year, but that just that stretching routine alone now, like I do it, uh, I try to do it every day, but at least before every class I do at least some form of his stretching uh, uh, routine. And, man, it's opened up my back so much. Like, my flexibility hasn't gotten to his uh, spot just yet. But, man, I haven't had lower back problems in months and months. Awesome. Well, I think this is the deal, right? Like, shoot, Sean, shoot. No, no, no. I I was going to say something stupid. So you you probably have something way smarter to say. No, I was just going to say, I don't believe in stretching beforehand. <laughs> well, look, this is what I was going to say. There's a, no, no, so there's a difference, right? Note, note what I said here. Before class, we do mobility work. That's different. That's actually active. Does that make sense? So, no, I also agree. Like, I don't really do uh, any static stretching prior to class. This is definitely a recipe for uh, failure in terms of maybe injuring yourself. But for example, a lot of the routines that we do for mobility are there to engage the right muscles, like get your glutes fired up while stretching your hip flexors, loosening up your adductors while increasing your ankle mobility. But none of it is just sitting in a position and chilling. Does that make sense? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Active because we're getting certain muscles engaged and certain muscles that might be overactive or blocking us, we're taking the handbrake off. So... That's what we do pre-class is active mobility work. Post-class, when we're doing what people might term as stretching, it's not so much stretching as like we will do a certain amount of movement to, uh, I guess, increase circulation and then uh, relax certain muscles that have been overworked during the role. That helps those muscles recover and then also helps balance out the body. Because if you're going to get off the mat get your shower, get changed, and then sit in the car for 30, 40 minutes, drive home, you got to get out of the car and you're like, God damn, I'm jacked yeah. up. And that's real. I'm, I'm, man, I'm the same. You know, I, I know what that feels like. 
So I always make time post class, just 10 minutes. And, and it, it really helps minimize the soreness factor. Do you, do you believe in rolling as well? I mean, as far as not rolling, rolling, but rolling out with the foam roller, foam roller or anything of that nature. Um, uh, yeah, yeah, to an extent. So, look, there's different amounts of research saying this works, this doesn't work. Um, oftentimes, the discomfort that people feel when they roll out, like say they're trying to roll out their ITBs, they're just experiencing a lot of tightness um, in their vastus lateralis, like their quads. So the pain they're getting isn't necessarily the ITB, right? Um, but that said, like there's a lot to be said for uh, sinking your brain and your body. So when you, uh, for example, maybe, uh, I'm not necessarily using a foam roller. I tend to use either a piece of PVC pipe or a spiky roller. And what I do is I do like, I guess there's a, a mode of therapy in America called ART, active release therapy. And that's like super beneficial. There's a lot of, um, not a lot, but there's definitely ART practitioners out there. I, I see that and I, I don't want to, get crucified on this it seems similar to myotherapy so we have myotherapists here in australia which works on the fascia the connective yeah. tissue and even though there's different people who will say oh needling doesn't work and manual therapy doesn't work blah 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 this is not entirely true because many people experience benefits from that and part of that is people being able to relax and get in tune with their body you know we're really good at ignoring what's wrong with us our neck's jacked up, our traps are jacked up. Okay, I'll just have a Panadol or I'll just have a, you know, a painkiller. You know, oh, my calf is cramped, uh, whatever, I'll walk it out. But the thing is, if you don't stretch it and it builds up over time, you might tear your Achilles, right? So this is part of the maintenance thing. And this is the thing, I'll be honest, Matt. Like, so I just came to America. And the great thing about America is things seem cheaper than they are. <laughs> so you're like, oh, yeah. Five bucks, that's cool, I'll pay five. And they're like, no, 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 that doesn't include tax. They're like, okay, so now it's like $6.90. And that doesn't include tip. Okay, so now it's really like, I'm looking at 10 bucks. Okay, I didn't realize that was the cost of what I was buying. This is the same thing about jujitsu and training. The hidden cost of rolling and athletic performance and getting good at this thing, which is really bad on your body, is you gotta do the maintenance, yeah? You buy an expensive car, you got to look after that bad boy. There's a lot of maintenance and upkeep. You know? Yeah. So yeah, hundred percent. My this biggest, is the, my... the biggest myth in jujitsu that's not talked about. No, I a hundred percent agree. And the thing that I I kind of really realized a long time ago, and it doesn't matter what you do, if you dedicate your life to something that involves some for some form of physical exertion you have to pay the price. If you want to get someplace, you have to pay the toll for that ticket. So you want to be a championship jujitsu jujitsu uh, fighter, competitor, you have to pay that toll. Your body's going to have to pay that toll. You want to be uh, a world-class boxer, you're going to pay that toll. Even if you want to be a world-class guitar player, you're going to have to pay that toll. That arthritis is going to kick in at some point or another. So there's no matter what you do, you have to pay that toll. It's just... Are you going to do what it takes to at least push that toll as far back as you can? And look, I'm, I'm going to go outside of that and go, look, 
most of the guys who have been champions and done it the best in jiu-jitsu, wrestling, and judo, um, no one talks to them about them after their prime because they're usually stuffed. You know, it's like footballers, right? We love seeing amazing feats of strength and physical endurance and toughness, but when the guy's got Alzheimer's, no one cares. No one's talking about that, right? Yeah. Now, jiu-jitsu is a fairly young sport compared to a lot of other sports, and it's not professional. There's not enough money in it for it to be professional. Guys are not looking after themselves. They're putting it all on the line, tearing their ankles, knees, and hips, and care. Because no one's talked about sustainability or long term. But when you have kids and you have a job and you need your body for something other than jujitsu, you need to have a maintenance strategy if you want to keep doing the thing you love, which is jujitsu. So I feel like this is the thing now. Now that more and more people are doing jujitsu, from little skinny hipster kids through to retiree, badass, ex military guys. Everybody has to have a plan for just keeping their body functional off the mats. So anyone can be the best flash in the pan, right? But it's best for longest. And it's also like, look at GSP. You know, he retired at a good point, you know, before he took too much damage. Max Holloway should have retired. <laughs> the, the guy is not going to remember his own name. In do you, do you do, I don't know how much. I, love of, Max Holloway. I don't know how much of that is, is actual brain damage or actually that's how he's always been. He's he's always seemed no, a bit look, I, look, I like, love Max Holloway, but I I saw I I thought the same thing like like the way he was talking the last time, um, but and he's he, and his style he takes he so much damage. Listen, look, if you've ever been punched in the face with a four ounce glove, and I have, yeah. it's a different feeling to get hit with a like a twelve or sixteen ounce glove. It's totally different. I mean, the best the best example is. BJ Penn, look at BJ Penn. Look at all the stuff that's going on with him. If you want to see like one of the scariest ones, I forget which fight it was, and it's always bothered me ever since I saw it was uh, Crow Cops. One of Crow Cops' last UFC fights, he they filmed him before he was about to go fight, and he was watching somebody else fight, and he was just standing there, and you would see him just randomly twitch. He just randomly does this twitch with his with his uh, I want to say it's his right arm. It's almost like a, a little weird shoulder shrug and a, a twist. So anytime you see videos of like Krokop, you'll see him start doing that. It's it happens. It's it's really really bad. I mean, anywhere from brain damage to even how some people have to have to walk. Yeah. Look, I look. You know, I know there's been a big revelation recently in, in, in NFL football in America. But, like, in Australia, when we play football, which we call rugby league, or even union, we don't wear helmets. We don't wear shoulder pads. Dudes are just running headlong into each other, right? Now, I'm not saying this is good, bad, or otherwise. I'm saying it's damage. It is pure damage. And the longer guys play footy, the, the stupider they get. And the worst decisions they make, and the more likely they are to like flash a forty-year-old mum at the shopping mall, yeah. you know, the more likely they are to assault their wife. Yeah. You can see it. Like there's all this dumb stuff. 
because these guys are wrecking their cognitive ability to make decisions. Now, that's what they're getting paid for. That's what we all cheer for. But jujitsu, thankfully, may destroy your joints, but it won't really wreck your brain. So what we need to do is make sure that we're minimizing um, injuries. And if you do get one, let's bounce back, bounce back quicker. And if your joints are stronger, you'll, you know, there's better structural integrity and you'll do better. So even though we glorify the person with heart and the person who can take all the damage and all that, we love seeing people get their arm broken and don't tap. But in truth, if you're not fighting for the absolute world championship medal, or if you're not trying to fight to make that money to save your family from poverty, what is actually the point of doing that other than pure ego? You know? Yeah, if it's not one of those three things, it's just you're you're just putting yourself through the torture for no reason. JT, how's yeah. how's the uh, how's the sport scene in in Australia? Like, I, I, you were just here in America, and, and I don't know uh, here. Like, honestly, there are ten gyms within five miles of each other on one road that doesn't even count going east or west that's just north and south one road there's at least 10 gyms is, is are you seeing an uh, uh, an explosion of jujitsu in australia as well well what i'd say is like i am originally from sydney i'm sydney born and bred i'm from western sydney uh penrith blue mountains uh bogan as it comes no, <laughs> no, no my mother and father raised me well but i did come up from Penrith back in the 90s, and it was a rough place. But uh, look, man, I, I live in Melbourne now. I've lived here for more than 15 years, and Melbourne is absolutely the heart of Jiu-Jitsu in Australia. There's great gyms in Sydney. This is not taken away from Sydney, but in terms of concentration of gyms, in Melbourne's, like, around the CBD, there would easily be 20 gyms. Like, there'd be 30 gyms. Like, the, it's not an explosion. I would just say in the last 10 years. So in the time I started Jiu-Jitsu, Everybody who started as a white belt 10 or 11 years ago is now a black belt and kind of running their own academy. So it's like when the kids grow up and they leave home, they start their families kind of deal. The greatest concentration of gyms, competitors, and competitions is in Victoria and Melbourne specifically. Sydney is a little bit different, and there's, there's a couple of reasons why. Just because of the layout of Sydney, Sydney is not as well laid out. Even though it's a beautiful city, it's a bit disjointed as a city. It also started like Brazilians moved to Sydney because the weather's better. Jiu-Jitsu in Melbourne and Victoria was started by two white guys, uh, Peter DeBean and uh, John Will. So John Will graded under the Machados and Peter DeBean graded under Carlinhos Gracie. They really kicked off Jiu-Jitsu in Australia. Like those guys went to Brazil in the 80s. You know, they went to Gracie Baja before anybody knew about yeah. it. And they, they, you know, the Brazilians just thought they were crazy. <laughs> and so I started under Peter DeBean. So they're like, who are these bloody white boys? What do you want? They just bashed them, you know? But they kept coming back and they kept learning. Um, but look, you know, both Peter DeBean, shout out Peter DeBean. Eh, Pete, Peter DeBean, he's a legend. <laughs> That's how he talks. Uh, he, you know, he started me in jiu-jitsu, so I owe that guy a lot. And he really pushed the scene here. Uh, he ran the Australian Federation of Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, which is the first federation outside of Brazil. Um, so he's a ledge. And also John Will, who graded under Machado, he's also a legend 
and is responsible for raising many, many elite grapplers. And I've met John. He's a lovely guy and an amazing, amazing man. So these two guys, they started jiu-jitsu in Australia and they didn't really care about, well, maybe they did, but there was a lot of cross-training. So everyone trains all over the place in Victoria, in Melbourne. In Sydney, the Brazilians don't like it. They're very much like you're a fiancé, you can't do that, you train with the team, love the team, blah, blah, blah. But at the end of the day, people just want to roll with their friends. So if your friend lives on the other side of the city and trains at a different gym, you still want to train with them. They're your homies, so you're going to do it, right? So it's really interesting to me. I feel the biggest strength, at least with Absolute, is we have an open-door policy. If you came to train, you're welcome. Come, get on the mats, get it on. We don't care where you're from. That's you know? awesome affiliated or not so yeah man i feel like that's been a really big thing in the development of jiu-jitsu in victoria versus sydney and yeah there's more cross training now because there's so much more jiu-jitsu but there is still a stigma with some coaches in say in state of sydney scene no i mean that's awesome like to see how how it develops from someone that's been in it for for as long as you have so do you see the Oh man, I'm a, I'm a baby in the game, man. There's people been training jiu-jitsu in Australia since the early 90s. But I mean, even then, I, I, you're obviously seeing it from from a, a very unique point of view with the people that you train with. I mean, the people that you train with are are literally some of the top in the world at the like moment right now. So to just to see how everybody else is going to react to it locally is got to be pretty interesting. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, look, Absolute's been growing a long time. I mean, we've been around a long time. Simon Carson is the founder slash owner of Absolute. And Thiago Stefanuti was the figurehead and like the, the absolute uh, cornerstone of jiu-jitsu at Absolute MMA. So shout out to Thiago Stefanuti, who um, has been one of the best coaches and just absolutely held down the jiu-jitsu at Absolute and provided this platform for everyone. But it's branched out. It's built up over time. And Australians love to punch on, bro. We love MMA. Even football, we love a punch on. Now Australians get drunk and fight. They love it. They love it. That's why the UFC loves us. Because at our hearts, we're a convict nation. We came from savages. We love a blood sport. I think a lot of people here in the United States, the United States still haven't understood the the savagery that is Aussie rules football. Like, I don't think they could handle it. They, they yeah. just, because to them, it's, it's a little bit more complicated than American football. But if they sat there, like, not really, man, not really, bro. <laughs> the only rule is you got to pass the football backwards and you just run at each other. And that's it's, it. It's, if I can get the ball the other end of the pitch, we win, bro. Dude, I like that's the way, it. I like the way the guy points at the end when there's a score, he does that, like shoot him up. Like gunner, like <laughs> Wild West gunner. When he when someone yeah. comes in, they do the pa. I love that shit. <laughs> yeah, that's great. I mean, no, nah, look, I I think it's one of those things that Australia Australian culture is still developing. We're a very multicultural country, but it's to be honest, it was the Wild West for a long time. It's a and Australians always had heart, and we have always put money into sport. And we're very much a sporting nation. We, we talk about punching above your weight. You know when you see like an ugly guy with a hot chick? You're like, how does he do it? Does he have an amazing dick? Or has he got money? <laughs> or what's, what's that guy, you know? 
we talk about punching above your weight when you are clearly doing better than maybe by all appearances you should, right? This is Australia for sport, man. We've got awesome weather. We've got, you know, no war, all the freedom, all the money, all the minerals. We'll just rip it out of the ground, sell it to China. You know, we're kind of isolated over here, but we love sport. And now the UFC and jiu-jitsu and all these things are kind of coalescing. Australians' passion for sport is now being funneled back into the martial arts and back into grappling, where for a long time it wasn't there. It was just on swimming and tennis and footy. and Surf. Don't forget surfing, bro. Oh, whatever the surfing, man. Surfing is just a trend, bro. <laughs> Like if you if you're rich and you if you're man if you're rich and you live at the beach, good for you. Whatever. Like or or just be like a jujitsu rat and be poor and live out your combi and surf. Like surfing is amazing, right? Surfing is incredible. I'm not detracting from it, but it's like I don't know, man. It's it's one of those things where it's like it's definitely it's like golf. It's kind of like elite. Like if you want to make it in surfing, you either need to be rich. Or you need to be on it since you're five years old, you know. Like, well, that's if you want yeah, to make well, it. I'm just talking about weekend warriors, Bruh, It's hard to surf in Australia, man. There's people who are on it every day, and and like, I'm not saying people are territorial, but there are some locals only beaches. You know, people want to. You come to oh, the yeah. beach, try and take their waves, bro. Not no, we, we get that. We get that here too. I mean, actually Lake Worth beach is probably one of the most famous, like locals only beaches. And you'll run into like the pro surfers here all the time with, with their horror stories about, uh, getting tied up naked against the like, poles Aussies, on the beach. Man, <laughs> don't get me wrong. Aussies generally are cool. If they know you're not from Australia and you're a tourist, they'll, they'll be cool with you, you know? And I think that's probably the same with Americans. Like, if you're an Aussie and you're in America and you do something socially wrong, but they know you're not from America, they kind of give you a pass, right? Because you're not, you're not. Yeah. American. But if you're Australian and you show up to a surf beach and it's not yours and you don't, you haven't got a guest pass, you know, someone might front and punch you, you know, like I said, <laughs> it's Australia. You know, I used to, plenty of bogans on the beach, bro. I, I used to think that Texas was like the Australia of the United States. But it's not. It's Florida. Florida is the Texas or is the Australia of the United States. We're, we're the ones that are like, like Florida has become famous for for having Florida man. I don't know if you've heard of him yet. But uh, it, uh is he? I don't. I'm not sure. I mean, I know you guys got like uh, swamp people, and we got shows like that. Yeah. So oh, basically, yeah. like that, Florida man is like the. The, the geek of the week, more or less, is somebody that did something so stupid that they make national headlines, and it's always somebody from Florida. Wow, yeah. Like, I'll give you an example. There was well, a guy that was – say that, yeah. Oh, no. There, there was a guy that that ran away from the cops. I guess – I think he either stole a car or he robbed somebody, took off, ran away from the cops, and he thought that his best way to get out was to jump into a canal and swim away he jumped into a crocodile or alligator infested uh, canal and he ended up not making out. That's the kind of Florida stuff that happens like repeatedly. Oh yeah. It happens all the time. 
So you can just do a Google well, look, search for Florida man. Well, look in Australia. There's so many memes. Have you guys seen the waiting for a mate? No. Have you seen that? It's like a a guy is like super high, super drunk, and he's tried to. I think he's tried to drive over like a. You know how you get like a bar, like a median strip in a car park. Yeah. You know, like it separates the where you park, and it's like you know it might be some grass, but it's like a curb. It might be yeah, a yeah. meter wide, right? This yeah. guy's tried to drive over that, and he's got stuck. And he's just sitting there and the cops pull up. I think I'm recounting this correctly. You can just Google it, waiting for a mate. Yeah. And it's on camera, you know, it's like cops. So they're recording it, they pull up and they go, uh, matey, are you all right? What's going on here? He goes, oh, just waiting for a mate. <laughs> he's stuck. He's like drunk and high and doesn't know what to do. He's just sitting there with the engine running. He's like, yo, just waiting for a mate. It's an absolute meme town, man. Uh, I see uh, you right look, there. Australians are as dumb as anybody, I mean, but they're also as smart as anybody. We have some very erudite, uh, you know, very educated, you know, like people in Australia. But, you know, the the culture in Australia is like the whole work hard, play hard thing. So during the week, generally, Aussies don't drink, generally, unless you're a trader, like a <laughs> tradesman, like a workman, you know, like they just drink all the time, doesn't matter, like in the morning, in the day, in the afternoon, doesn't matter. As long as you get the job done, right? But honestly, Australians binge drink worse than anybody. Like English outdrink us. Um, Germans, I think, outdrink us. Like we, we definitely consume a lot of alcohol, but it's always concentrated. It's like, oh, no, no, not on a school night. Friday night, you, 30 <laughs> drinks. See you later. Like, yeah, no, it's kind of, I don't, I'm not really down. I mean, as a young human, 16, 17, I would get down, uh, get into it being the bogan at heart that I am. But man, like, you know, I'm, I'm a healthy guy. Like I haven't, I don't really drink that much only on special occasions, maybe like a whiskey or something. I don't really like beer. I like spirits. Um, but my girlfriend's Polish and part of the reason why we're in America was to visit my girlfriend's family. And oh my goodness, the Polish can drink. Yeah, and uh, her brother—it was his fortieth birthday. Oh my god, I I can't keep up, man. I had to, I had to go and hide after a while. That was one of the the funniest parts of ADCC for me. So Sean, I'd be sitting there, and then JT would randomly come up, say like, say something to us, or like whoever I was sitting there, like the group of people's like, I gotta go find my my girlfriend. She's going to be super pissed, so I got to find her a beer. <laughs> <laughs> Man, she loves red wine, so I was like plying her with cheap Merlot, and it kind of it did the trick. So, uh, yeah, man, like it's just one of those things. Where, like she grew up in communist Poland, you know, like just communism ended when she was about five or six, or uh, uh, maybe a bit younger. But, yeah, post-communist Poland was terrible. So she's lived in Australia for 10 years now. She's a citizen now. And, um, but yeah, being there in the States and being around her family, they're so lovely and they're so inclusive, but there's an expectation to eat and there's an expectation to drink, you know? Yeah. And you gotta um, do it. Anyway, she's the alpha dog, man. She can, she can put away two bottles of wine. Don't even blink. I can't, man. I can't go there, homie. I'm an athlete. I'm a, a wannabe I athlete. I am definitely down for the drinking, though. I got to make it out to Australia, so I'm definitely get the get the liver ready. <laughs> Don't worry about it, man. You come out, we'll we'll host you. You can hang with 
if Craig's here, he'll sort you out. Well, I'm actually going to be up in uh, in New York this weekend for um, for the UFC fights and uh, for the New York Marathon. So I'm going to try and sneak over to uh, to Henzo's if I can and and go crash yeah, the party yeah. over I'm there. I'm not sure who will be there. I know Craig's here for at least another month, and then he's off. He's going to fight Adam Rosinski over at Grapple Fest. Yeah. And then I think he's fighting Dean Lister at Submission Underground. Yeah, he's got that one in December, I think. Yeah, that'll be big, man. That'll be that'll be very interesting. Well, what about what about Luke? Is that is that did that not happen? Did that not come through? Um, he was Luke Rockhold. I'm, I'm not sure. Yeah, no, he's a uh, Luke. Um, Luke Rockhold is actually a friend of ours. He's a he's a good friend of mine. And Sean saying okay. that that they were supposed to um, to get like a match at, at Polaris. In uh, okay, well look. Yeah, it could happen, man. Look, this is what I would say. <laughs> you know, all respect to Craig. He's he's a beast in jiu-jitsu. But he makes his name off MMA fighters. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> he's like, I'll take a guy who doesn't do what I do, but is an athlete and a legend, and then I'll just leverage their name. You know, like Anthony Rumble Johnson. Why the hell is that guy doing leg locks with Craig Jones? It makes no sense. Yeah, that, that, that was the dumbest Chael thing. Bro, I think Chael was just trying to get him some money or something. Like, it was just, it just didn't make sense, man. It's just like one of those things. Unless you're Gordon Ryan or unless you're an elite leg locker, you, you shouldn't go and trade legs with. Well, I, I will say, I will say this. Luke, Luke is a former world champion at Brown Belt at Nogi. Oh, he's grappling sick, bro. He's grappling yeah, sick. I respect but, but Luke it, massively. He, he's, he's definitely, like, he, he, uh, I'm. I was surprised that. Well, I've seen. You know, obviously watched him in fights, but actually rolling with him, I was so surprised at how smooth he was, and how how. Oh and, man, he's amazing. And how fucking massive he is. Like you don't. Yeah, he's, he's, don't huge. <laughs> he's a huge, huge human. Yeah, it's like shit. I, normally, I'm the biggest dude, and 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 like he he negated my size easily. I was like, you son of a bitch. Yeah. I would say this, like, if you look at where Craig has not done as well, it's when guys don't try and pass his guard and don't try and smash him. It's when guys sit back off his guard and do other stuff. <coughs> Paul Harris, right? Paul Harris. The problem is, <laughs> uh, well, yeah, I guess, but Paul Harris doesn't do anything, man. He just sat there, right? Now, in truth, like, you know, because, like, you know, I've trained with Craig and you know, we, we compete against each other and, like, you know, I respect the guy, but I'm always trying to think about how I can mess up his game. I always want to kill Craig Jones, bro. Like, that's my aim. Every time we train, I'm trying to kill him. I, he knows it, but it's respect. Like, if I don't come at him and give him my A game and then some, I'm never going to make any inroads at all, right? But what I do is I look at when he does well and when he doesn't. And when he doesn't do well is when people don't engage his guard the way he wants. The problem is most guys, the paradigm is get in there, squash the guy, pass his guard. If you try and do that, Craig Jones is going to find your leg and rip it off. And that's what he does, bro. He's done it to all and sundry. So all I'd say is this. I respect Luke. I think he's a great grappler, an amazing fighter. I admire the shit out of that guy. He's amazing. But I think... Going into a submission only match against Craig Jones is not necessarily the best idea. It's either going to be really boring 
It's going to be really boring. And maybe Craig attempts a few attacks and good luck. He's very good at neutralizing your game. He's actually a lot bigger frame than people think too. Yeah. Or he's going to get his position and he's going to break your knee. So that's... Yeah, I, this either is way, it's... the annoying, tedious inevitability about Craig Jones. Yeah, it's... Uh, either way, it'll be a good, interesting match. So I'm curious to see. And I know that there's... The uh, the five hundred and five thousand dollar tournament question or match question going on between Gordon and uh, and Lachlan. <laughs> Do you know? I, I'll be. I'll tell you something right now. I don't know if this is entirely true, but I think this right. So Craig's back right now, and yeah. Craig is the biggest troll ever. I think Craig has been Gene Lachlan up a little bit. Like, yeah, yeah, bro, get under his skin a bit because, like, as far as I could see, like Gordon actually just shook uh, shook Lachlan's hand and was like, dude, well done. He was very sincere you know, yeah. about that. And I think since no one's really been trolling Gordon and 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 uh, Lachlan's getting all this attention, he's kind of like, uh, like, you know, he's kind of still in his shine a little bit because what, yeah. what Gordon achieved was awesome. But so now it's like, well, you know, Lockie's like, all right, well, let's just do leg locks because he's very confident in his leg lock game. Like, Lockon is incredibly hard to submit in leg locks, and he just knows it inside out. So, yeah, man, I mean, he's just playing around with it, and you know, classic Gordon. Gordon's just gonna run off at the mouth and say anything he wants. But yeah, I mean, I don't know how sincere the money is, but it would be great to see the matchup, you know. And I don't know, I don't know. I mean, you know, I back. I back Lachlan every time. I, I, I put money on that guy. So, man, watch the jiu-jitsu world implode if Lachlan heel hooks. Oh, um, uh, right. You know. That'd be crazy. See, the thing is, Listen, I don't think Gordon would tap. No, I don't think he would. Well, no, he wouldn't. I know for a fact he wouldn't because I went to one of his seminars that he did down here just to photograph it and just cover. And that was one of the, the questions that he had from from one of the guys. I think it was his role against Craig. And he's like, oh, why didn't you tap? He's like, there's $10,000 on the line. I'm not going to fucking tap to an arm bar. <laughs> yeah, he hurt his arm. He, that definitely, Craig definitely hurt his arm. Yeah. Oh, for sure. Yeah. That was great. So, that was a moment in time. Craig could have beaten Gordon. That was a true moment in time. Like, uh, okay, I want to tell you something right now. This is a little behind the scenes. Craig uh, has been studying Gordon Ryan for four years before they ever rolled. Really? He taught, When we were purple belts, he, I was like watching him at training. I'm like, what you looking at, bro? He was like... Oh, look at this guy. This guy's name is Gordon Ryan. Look at him. He's doing an inside heel hook. Look at this. He lets this guy take him out. And then he does saddle and he heel hooks this guy. He was studying the hell out of his game before anyone had even heard of him. Wow. Like Craig had been planning his whole life up to that point. And I feel like he kind of missed his moment a little. Yeah. Well, now he can't really yeah. aim for it just because they're teammates. Well, no, he can. I think he aims for it every day. <laughs> it's like he's like you know i'm just gonna go for it every fucking day i don't try and kill each other every day i'm sure of it. i'm sure uh, all right so listen i've been dying to ask you this question now ever since adcc and i've been hyping this up with sean just because you kind of just teased me with the information you created how big is your penis? actual <laughs> Like, I mean, medium, on. more <laughs> medium. girthy than long, more medium. He's a like I he's a grower, not a show. Whatever I lack in length, I make up for in, in girth. 
<laughs> you know what they say, we get the hip, strong at the lip. So you created... I, I've never heard that. <laughs> so you created an actual card game based around yes. jujitsu called Jugo. Yes, Jugo. Yes, indeed. So many years ago, uh, I, I, you know, like as a kid, when I grew up, I played Uno. You guys play Uno as a kid? Yep. Like Uno. Yeah. Right? It's kind of that classic game every kid has played. It's very basic, you know. And I thought to myself, you know, I'm a nerd at heart. And I've been doing jujitsu like probably six, seven years. And I thought, man, how come there's not a jujitsu card game? And at that time, I was dating a girl who was like a jujitsu hater. She's like, why are you going to train so much? Why don't you hang out with me more? (laughs) And I was like, man, I I love hanging out with you, but I also love jujitsu. And I fell in love with jujitsu first. So like, you know, like, I'm not saying you're my side chick, but like, let me, let me do my thing, you know? Um, But um, anyway, I, I said, because she's awesome at games. I said, oh, I want to make a card game. She's like, why? That's so nerdy. Who will play that? I said, whatever. Like, I'm just, it's an idea. Like, let me just mess with it, right? And I had thought to myself that there is sequences in jiu-jitsu. Like, you do a takedown, and then you do a guard pass, and then you do, like, a knee ride, and then you do uh, an armbar, or, you know, what, a kimura. Like, there's sequences in jiu-jitsu. And the more I learned about jiu-jitsu, the more I realized there is set sequences that have strengths. So, for example, you would do, like, a Delahiba to a Birambolo, to a back take, to a cross choke from the back. Like that is actually like a movement, a sequence that happens in jiu-jitsu, right? right? So I drew these little drawings on palm cards and it was super basic, right? And I tried to come up with a system for guarding and a system for passing. So then I said to her, will you play a game with me? And she's like, oh, okay. And no word of a lie. She beat me like four games in a row. And she was like, I really like this game. And I was like, fuck, damn, how is she beating me at my own game? And it's just because she's very good at card games, right? But that's the thing. I knew that I had something because she enjoyed the game. It wasn't even a thing of it. She doesn't do jujitsu at all? So what? No jujitsu at all. She no, but I taught her the sequences. I'm like, this card, this card, this card. This card, then this card. Roll the dice. Blah, blah. What's your, what, what's your like, draw of four cards? She's, uh, there's not a draw four, but there is like a power up, a power down, and there's a scramble card. Well, I, I meant scramble more like card. what's the most powerful card? <laughs> draw, and Uno, draw um, four no, no, no. is the bad, big no, no. bad daddy. Is it is, but this is what I would say. It's like, for example, say we're all playing a game, right? There's two versions of this game. So there's the OG version of the game. Now, in this, in the original deck, it's not that technical, right? It's more like I play a takedown, I play a guard pass. If I've played two cards, I can try a submission. The success of the submission is determined by a dice roll. Credit to my sister who came up with that idea. So my, my middle sister, Jenny, said, you've got, to, you've got to include an element of chance because just because you try and submit me doesn't mean you submit me, right? And I was like, fair play. So you roll the dice. If I roll high, you roll low, I take your escape card. Your escape card is like your get-out-of-jail-free card, which means you survive, 
but you're on shaky water, right? You're on shaky ground. You're like you're almost submitted. If I play to submit you again and you have no escape and I roll higher, you roll lower, then you're submitted, you're out of the game, right? Now, I played this game, I've sold over 450 copies of the game in Australia and a couple overseas, and I got a lot of feedback about the game and how people were like, oh, it would be cool if it was closer to jiu-jitsu. So in the original game, you could do a footlock submission from the back, which you can't do in jiu-jitsu, right? In the new version of the game, it's different. So you guys know, for example, if you're playing Rummy or you're playing certain card games, you get a flush. So you get like Jack of Hearts, Queen of Hearts, Ace of Hearts, King of Hearts. Right. You know, like a, a, a royal flush, right? Yeah, yeah. Think this. If I do a Sinagi takedown, I do a Sinagi takedown, I do a knee cut pass, I do a knee ride and I Kimura you, that's like a four in a row. That's four of a kind. That's like four hearts. Right. Does that make sense? Yeah, 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 yeah. So it's like, so it, the new cards have icons on them, which I call flow icons. These are linking icons. So if I pull close guard, I do the flower sweep, I take mount, and I cross choke you from mount, Hodge Gracie special. That's like a 10 strength attack. So... If you don't have any way to weaken me or you have no counterattack cards, you're dead. Does that make sense? So like yes, because how I'm, many people how many people can you play? Is it just a one on one game? Four. Four people can uh, play. I gotcha. So it has a mechanic similar to Uno. You right, play right, right. you play to the right. But let's say for example, uh, Alexis, I attack you, but you have a counterattack card, you can counter me. And attack me. Mm. And if you submit me, then the play goes the other way. So you gotcha. get different opportunity to attack different people. So man, yeah, I that's... designed the game myself, all the graphics, all the gameplay, just me sitting in my room being an obsessive jujitsu nerd. So is this something that you would end up doing like expansion decks and stuff like that on? Or would Dude. it be just like this Dude, is just a deck? hundred percent. No, no, no. Understand. This deck that I'm releasing before Christmas is core deck. The core deck is white belt. The expansion will be blue. Next expansion is purple. Next expansion is brown. And then lastly, black belt. So you can choose to play the full set of cards, which is 186 cards. Or you could play the core deck just with black belt if you just want to do leg locks. You know, the basic moves are in the core deck. So it could be taught as syllabus, you know, like... You know, once, I mean, the core deck's good enough. You can just play on that. But if you want to get right. into it, you can start getting in the flying arm bars, flying triangles, heel hooks, everything. Yeah. That's awesome. And plus, if anybody actually comes up with newer moves, you could always throw them in there. Bro, do you know how... Updated. Yeah, and I want that. Do you know how much money I've spent on magic cards over the year, and now you're going to try to get me to... This, this is ridiculous. I think this was a dirty... Dirty, nasty trick from Alex and you to get me addicted to another card no, game. Bro, I no, I understand Magic the Gathering. I'm not a Magic man, but my best friend is, and he has put in $15,000 into Magic the Gathering, right? So I'm not trying to do that to you, but understand this. I, <laughs> I want your money. I love sharing jiu-jitsu. <laughs> no, no, no. Understand this. I love sharing jiu-jitsu. One deck can be played between four people. You don't have to buy multiple decks. 
It's not actually a traditional deck builder. But I wanted a game that the non-jujitsu, like, okay, you know how we all do it. You've got a friend who doesn't do jujitsu. You're trying to get him into it. You're like, hey, bro, come get a taste. First taste is free, blah, blah, blah. This game is one of the best ways to get your friends into jujitsu because they literally have to think about jujitsu sequences and moves. Then after a while, they're like, oh, hey, can you show me that? What's that look like? Oh, yeah, that's cool. And then, like, people love the thought that they could strangle you without actually having to get squashed, right? So um, it's one of those things that actually this game is broader than just jujitsu. I want this game, everyone to play this game because this is a fun-ass game. There's power-ups, there's power-downs, there's reversals. There's a whole bunch of stuff in this game that makes it cool. And in the future, there's going to be a steroid card. There's going to be an injury card. Oh, be a whole that'd bunch be of stuff. so good. <laughs> Can we make the bowl bro, of I'm acai you, card? <laughs> bro, there's going to be a bowl of acai card, man. And yeah, there's going to uh, be like an acai arm flexing with a spoon eating itself. No, I'm joking. But no, uh, look, I designed this whole game. And essentially, I want it to be fun as hell for everybody. And I'm actually having a meeting with a game developer, like an electronic game developer tomorrow to look at doing a digital format. Man, that's awesome. I'm, I'm actually looking at the website right now. It's uh, jugoplay.com, J-I-U, goplay.com. So I'm definitely going to be buying a pack. So this is, I have not updated the website right now in terms of the new stuff. I literally uh-huh. just locked down all the designs and everything. I will have the new decks in four weeks and I'm still okay. negotiating to get distribution in America. So I had chat, chatted to BJJ fanatics. They're pretty busy. I don't think they're going to, they can't really help me out before Christmas. Maybe in the future, Michael said maybe, but um, I'm looking to get a distributor in the USA. Um, I'm negotiating with two other people right now. And then next year we'll be looking at getting a distributor in Japan be doing the japan nice and look man honestly i feel this is the best way i can share jujitsu as much as i'm a passionate um teacher and i studied education at uni i feel like i can't understand like jujitsu is so fun and apart from like (laughs) squashing the fuck out of each other the 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 cerebral element of jujitsu is dope so how come that hasn't been properly gamified and that's what jugo is Jugo is the successful gamification of jujitsu theory. It is jujitsu chess on cards. It is also a comic book. And that will come out next year. That's, Just drop the mic right there. No. Yeah, that's pretty fucking dope, man. And I mean, even then, it's it'd be great, especially for for even teaching purposes for, for kids' classes and stuff like that, just to sit there and have them understand is, the transition. Okay. Better. Bro, <laughs> my friend runs his own school. He always sends me memes of like how to kill yourself because you've got to teach kids class. It's just <laughs> pictures of Ben Affleck looking terrible, right? Like you realize the only way to get out of kids class is to fake your own death. Um, Pretty much. I studied education at university, right? We did a primary and also secondary and I was studying to be a PE teacher. The hardest thing is to get little kids involved. I made this game for grown-ass jiu-jitsu nerds. I'm speaking to you, Sean. I made this game for people who love jiu-jitsu and they want to just 
play it with their mates on the weekend, right? Or at a tournament or whatever the hell. But I tell you what's real, little kids love this game. I've had five-year-olds kick my ass at my own game. Kids are smart. The best way to make any lesson taught is to make it a game, a song, whatever, make it fun. I swear, this is a very easy way to teach kids jujitsu ideas. You're gonna you're gonna let have to let me know when you put the update and everything is set up because we have some friends that have an academy about 30 minutes north of us and they actually work a lot with uh, with special needs kids and they do a really great job at somehow breaking things down and getting these kids to 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 kind of overcome their their obstacles and and learn jujitsu and I think this is probably something even better tool that could help them out for for different well, kids look, and stuff. So I definitely want to get them on. There's how to play videos on my YouTube. You can also go yeah. to the Facebook page. I haven't updated any of the new art from the box design or anything. That's all coming in the next couple of weeks. But uh, give me, like, after this, I'll get your address. I'll send you guys a deck for nothing. Play it. Tell me what you think. Um, the Blue Belt expansion should be released early next year. Um, but like I said, I'm working on the comic. Jugo is a game um, invented by a jiu-jitsu nerd. And Jugo is actually a character. So I've been. this is what I've been working on the last six months, other than developing the game, is the world that the game exists in. So you're going to see us next year at PAX. We'll be at PAX. Oh, nice. And this thing, man, it's a lot bigger. And once you start seeing, like if you follow the Instagram, I made all that card art that is original art by me me just messing around in procreate on an ipad i used to do graffiti when i was a kid i've always been obsessed with like art and i love samurai and i love street fighter i love bruce lee you know i love asian art i love manga so i my dream or my vision is to have a game which is almost like i guess uh, not pokemon but like i could battle you in jugo online and we would yeah. play. We would have different cards. We play our cards against each other, and then the what? the victor gets experience points, and the loser gets experience points. And we accrue our experience points to be able to up our game. And the more experience points you get, the better cards you get. What's like, the uh, What's the Instagram for for it? Uh, at Jugo, uh, at Jugo Play. At Jugo Play, gotcha. All right, I just want to check it out, make sure I add it on there. But yeah, listen, man, anything we could do to to help you push it, man, I'd love to do it. I always like supporting people and uh, and going for for their. No, I really goals appreciate it, like man. That. Like, no, I'm, yeah. I'm you know I've been obsessed with jujitsu since I found it, and I feel like my role, you know, I'm not going to be necessarily the world champion. I'm not going to be like trying to be Craig Jones or anything like that. Even though like I'm a competitive guy, but I'm I'm a teacher. I teach jujitsu and I love sharing. And I feel like if I can make this a thing within jujitsu and jujitsu people love it, I'm stoked. Like if a young kid picked up this game and that got them into jujitsu, that would just make my life. You know, that's what I want. And I no, just want normal awesome. people to get interested in jujitsu. You know what I mean? So, man, like we'll see. Like I said, it's only, I've only had the game now. Like it's been coming up for two years next year. Uh, I've done the first edition, and now we're doing the second edition, which is the Jugo Core Deck. So as soon as I have a copy, hopefully I can get you guys a copy uh, at Christmas, and I'll be coming out to the stakes next year. So maybe we can 
we can hook up and, and play a game. No, for sure, man. Yeah, listen, uh, I'm more than happy to buy a deck. You don't have to send it to us. I, I want to support the support the fan for sure. Right, well, uh, send, send me the free one because f him. <laughs> <laughs> Just because you've been you've been scarred, you've been scarred by years of Magic the Gathering. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Now, like you live in a you live in a shanty made out of boxes of. Magic the Gathering. You're you're not that far off. I, I'm jealous of people who have boxes. <laughs> yeah. Well, listen, uh, uh, JT. I I know you got to get going. It's actually pretty late here for us too. Um, otherwise, we're gonna be here all definitely, night. Definitely. But uh, I really appreciate you finally uh, being able to put some time for us, man. I know you're a busy dude. Um, just so everybody can follow oh, you, if uh, if they got any questions about the uh, the bulletproof for BJJ or judo or anything like that, where's the best place to get a hold of you? Well, uh, my personal Instagram is jt underscore tenacity. Um, you can go check out bulletproof for BJJ at bulletproof for BJJ, or you can go to bulletproof for BJJ and. And then look, man, Jugo play. Like I said, it's it's truly in its infancy, but there's a vision. So you can go to at Jugo play or on Facebook, it's Jugo game. So there's going to be a lot more to come. And I, I take feedback, you know, like I, I want this thing to be something that Jiu-Jitsu people love. So anybody reaching out to me or anybody interested, like I said, I'm still, I haven't locked down distribution in America. So if anyone hears this and would be interested to take on that responsibility, I will be coming out to America to do a, a, a bit of a tour of as many academies as I can to promote the game. Uh, I definitely need help with getting the game out there. So um, I really appreciate yeah. you guys having me on. Sorry, I feel like I probably talked too much. No, but, man. Uh, uh, I appreciate uh, you guys giving me the time. No, thanks. For, listen, man, anytime you want to jump on, man, we're we're, we're going to be more than happy to, to let you on. I'm sure there's, there's more... Uh, goofing off and shit talking and stuff that we can do and i'm sure i'm gonna have a ton more other questions now going back and listening to the podcast and stuff so no thanks again for doing this i know it's uh it was crazy getting the, the schedules to sync up but, but uh, also lachlan uh reach out to lachlan giles man i talked to Lockie today at training he loves to talk to you guys man so definitely he's uh he'll give you the true inside story everything you know he doesn't he's probably not as verbose as I am, but, uh, you get, you get the word straight from his mouth, you know? So yeah. no, for sure. We'll, uh, we'll try and get him to do one of the podcasts and then we'll get you both guys to do it together so we can hear you doing some shit talking against each other. Oh man. It's funny. actually what would be better is to get, get me Craig and Lockie on. Cause Craig is always inciting problems. Oh, and, let's do uh, it. And I can, I can, I can go from there. But, uh, yeah, I'm pretty sure Craig likes, you know, he, he acts all shy and nice, but he's a savage. Oh, let's do it, man. I'm, uh, I'm all for it. If I can hear the crew going back and forth like that, I'd be hilarious. Uh, yeah, sure. All right, brother. We'll let you get going. I know it's actually Wednesday. You guys are way ahead of us out in Australia, but I hope you have a good rest of the day training and uh, we'll catch up again uh, soon. Thank you so much, Alexis. Thank you so much, Sean. I really appreciate you guys having me on. All right. Thanks, JT. See you guys. You can't Niba.
deal. I'm the best there is, plain and simple. I mean, I wake up in the morning, I piss excellence, and nobody can hang with my stuff. Kiss stealing, woo, wheeling, dealing, limousine right, jet flying, son of a gun, and I'm having a hard time holding these alligators off.